the volume. The Sessions is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. There's no better place to make every moment more than with FanDuel. They're America's number one sportsbook for a reason, y'all. It's so easy to use. It's safe and secure. That's one of the main things for me. I don't want any BS. I love that there's no BS with FanDuel. Plus, you get your winnings fast. Now winnings are delivered in as quick as two hours. Plus, it's super fun to combine multiple bets from the same game into a same game parlay. It's awesome. So if you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, so that they know that I sent you. Disclaimer, 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Iowa, Illinois, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, Wyoming, or West Virginia. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona 18887897777 or visit ccpg.org/chat for Connecticut 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com/rg for Colorado, Iowa, Indiana, Illinois, New Jersey, Pennsylvania and Virginia 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY for New York Tennessee Redline 1-800-889-9789 and 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming. Visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Hey guys, welcome to the sessions. Great episode here for you. I fell in love with this woman during this interview. I love these interviews when I go in somebody that I don't really know and I'm not really sure what I'm gonna get and then I walk away being like, man, that person freaking rules. And that's exactly what happened with this conversation. So I am joined today by Alicia Newman. She is a Canadian track and field athlete. Um, her, her specialty is in the pole vault. So she's an Olympian. She competed 2016 and 2020 Olympic Games. Um, she was also the 2018 Commonwealth Games champion um, in the women's pole vault. So she absolutely crushes it. I feel like she holds every single record um, in Canada when it comes to the pole vault one of the absolute best to literally ever do it. She's fantastic. She's also an absolute babe. And we get into it because there's always some kind of situation around people um, having an OnlyFans. So she is a gorgeous athlete with like a huge fan base. And she wanted to like take matters into her own hands. I think she's brilliant. Kicked off her OnlyFans. She was like doing... Uh, videos and stuff from um, from the Olympic uh, Village when she was in Tokyo, like really doing some really cool stuff. Um, but this was just like a really great conversation with an interesting woman that works so hard at what she does. And we get into like all sorts of like really personal stuff from like relationships to how she's been able to juggle, you know, being in a somewhat public relationship with a football player to how they were able to make that work for a while until they weren't able to do that anymore while also discussing having a concussion as she was heading in to the 2020 Olympic Games in Tokyo and what her recovery has been like since. I find all that stuff really, really fascinating. I'm so glad she took her health and her matters into her own hands to, uh, to get herself feeling much, much better. Um, so guys, let's get into it. Here she is. You're going to love her too. Make sure you check out the YouTube too because she's just an absolute delight. This is... Alicia Newman. Let's see this little angel. Hi, baby. 
Say hello. How is puppy life treating you? I love it. Is it the best? Honestly, it's one of those things I feel like it's preparing me for motherhood. (laughs) No, it does. It's so funny. Like I have two dogs and I have like a year and a half old baby. And like people, I feel like kind of scoff when you say like having a, oh, that's her (laughs) moving my, moving my ring light. No, you can't grab that. I feel like people scoff when you say that having a dog is preparing you for motherhood, but it it really is like the training wheels. I know they're not the same, but you're still fully responsible for taking care of this baby. You've got to get up and put them outside, or maybe you'd rather just be sleeping in. Well, and that's the thing, like even when she makes noises in the morning, I'm like, oh, just one more hour. And she's just like, nope. I want to get up now. And I'm like, you win. Me and you both. I know. I'll like watch my baby on her monitor. I'm like, go back to sleep. Go back to sleep. Just give me like 30 minutes, please, please, please. I know it's crazy. Um, Is motherhood something that's like on the horizon for you? That's on like your your to-do list? Yeah. Like it's like one of my biggest things. Like I look forward to accomplishing as a female. Like I think it's such a beautiful, like just to create life and and having a human I guess, grow inside you is just like magical to me. Like, I think it's beautiful. And if I, if I guess if it's in my plans and my body allows me to do it, then I'm full ready. (laughs) There's also something so cool about like that whole like motherhood journey, growing a person, your whole body changes, you change as a person. But I think also as an athlete, that I think it's got to be in your head of not just, I don't want to say like the snapback. It's not that. It's about becoming that finely tuned athlete again in feeling what your body goes through. Like when you see some of these women and what they accomplish, it's like, holy shit, our bodies are amazing. It's so cool. Like seeing some of the women even come back stronger than they were once they had children. Like it's so cool to like the first athlete to ever do that, just open that boundary for us. Because, you know, before it was very okay. Like I want to have kids before I'm 30. Like back in the day, that was our mentality. And you try to train and compete till you're about 30, 35 for me anyway. So in my head, I was like, Hey, when do I freeze my eggs when all this, but just seeing them being able to do it, it just gives me so much hope that like, even as well, like now that Nike for my contract, like it's in there, we get uh, 18 months to come back. No way. Whoa, that's so cool. That's awesome. That just happened because Allison Felix opened that boundary for us. Like without her, it wouldn't be in our contract. And it's just cool to be recognized and being in that society now that I don't like I have to be careful, obviously, if I don't want a kid before marriage. But otherwise, like, I can still have a child and know I can still come back within that 18 months and not lose pay, you know? So I think that that's been really cool and and put my mind at ease for an, uh, I guess you could say for a female athlete, that's given me a lot of opportunity and it's not stopped my personal life, if that makes sense. Like, I feel like I can still live. Like it is one of those things, like I think as a woman, you know, in so many different fields, but obviously specifically as an athlete, you kind of know like what that window is of what your prime years are going to be. But I think even what we thought of as being our prime years have still shifted so much. It really is those like early 30s to like really kind of hitting that groove and getting in that stride. And that's really that time when like mother nature comes knocking at your door and it's like, well, when are we going to have this baby? And you're like, you're really stuck between a rock and a hard place between this career that you've been busting your ass for to like, what does the rest of my future look like for my family? It's such a weird spot for women. I'm like positive about it. Like I 
know, like my sister-in-law, she's, she was 34 having her first child. And so they're going to have another one. And in my head, it's just like our technology is so advanced now that I don't even stress about it. I don't think about it. And also having my eggs frozen like that. So you did do it. You did egg freezing? No, I didn't. It's actually coming up after Paris. I'm doing it. <gasps> okay. Tell me all about this. I just started researching it because I think I'm going to do it too. What happens? I'm really excited because I obviously work with my track and field like team, our team Newman, and we decided to do it right after Paris. But the reason I can't do it like in between season is because you obviously have to load yourself up with hormones and (laughs) more stuff that I can't have when I'm competing. Oh, you would like pop a drug test for that? Yeah. So there'd be a certain like, yeah, test on there that it would come up as like kind of doping just with the extra, I guess you could say literally testosterone. Oh, wow. Um, I didn't even think about that. Yeah. That's why a lot of athletes actually female like to get pregnant because they get that natural boost and they can't get them for it because they're pregnant. Um, and <laughs> yeah. people come around that and like timed it out perfect that they're like ready and they're go. like taking on the world because they have this extra boost, you know? Wow. I mean, you got to do whatever you got to do for a medal. <laughs> you do what you got to do. Get those medals. Um, okay. So motherhood is on the horizon. Um, you are just an exceptional athlete. You hold so many different medals and records in pole vault, um, in track and field. Um, what led you to pole vaulting? How does one even find out that they're good at this? I literally tell people it's like, it found me. It's like, I never knew it existed until like three months before I started trying it. And so I was a gymnast forever and I got like two levels away before national level. I got to level eight in in elite gymnastics. And that was like, when I was like six or seven, I knew I was going to the Olympics. Like in my head, that's all I wanted to accomplish. And that's all I viewed of like life was. Um, And I knew like, I didn't like sitting at school. Like, I was never diagnosed with ADHD, but I probably have it. <laughs> so it was, like, one of those things that I knew if I got better at gymnastics, I spent less time in school. So I started doing half days. Good um, motivator. <laughs> literally, literally. I know. I don't like to tell kids that, but, hey, it worked out <laughs> somewhere. Also, when you're focused and you know what you want, though, there's something really special about that, too, of, like, having that focus. Yeah, and I think my parents were really good at just knowing that you can always go back to school. And for athletics, you never know when it's your last. Like every practice, you take it for the grain of salt because you just don't know if an injury is going to prevail you from like continuing. And that's what happened for me in gymnastics. I fractured my L5 vertebrae and the doctors were just like, yeah, you're 12 years old. How did, how did you do that? I think it's just like they came down. It was a stress fracture. So that's just overtraining. Okay, But you can't, it's not even like, oh, the coaches were overtraining her. It's really like we were training 36 hours a week because that's what's mandatory to be at that level. You know, so my body just naturally could not handle that much. And I was pretty tall. Like I, I was like five, 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 six at the age of 12. Yeah, gymnasts are like short. They're a lot more short. And I think they can compress a little bit more when you're not as limbed, like so long limbed. Um, and so I think it was like a horrible or like a huge, like drastic thing in my life at 13. I was just like, okay, well now what am I going to do? I was half days in school. I don't like school. And I had to take a full year off of all athletics. So from 13 to 14, I just went to school, back to school, normal, normal hours. And then started beating the boys at recess. So they were like, put her in track and field. She's really, really fast. So I was like, okay, let's do it. So I started track and did all the events, just tried everything. But it just wasn't like this 
gymnastics, there's four events. You have like the floor where you're like a dancer. You have the beam where you're like so tunnel vision because it's so small. You have the the bars, which is like very elegant and artsy and Cirque du Soleil. And then you have the vault, which is like bowl, bowl, <laughs> let release the beast, you yeah, know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So all these different personalities. And for me, track was just so, like the other events were so, um, could you say like everybody could do them, if that makes sense? Sure. Yeah. Um, not like not to a high level, but like anyone could go to a track and run 200 meter and not at the fastest time of Usain Bolt time, but everyone could do it. And so when they like started hearing me speak about that, they're like, do you want to try a pole vault? I was like, what's pole vault? <laughs> and then that's kind of how it started. I learned it for three months and then I broke the first, my first meet I did, I broke the meet record. So it was like, I already knew how to flip. I knew how to be in the air. It was really just getting down to the, the basics and the technique. Right. So once I figured all that out, then it became very, very natural to me. And like every year a door opened for me and that's kind of how I just kept, could you say investing time into it? You know, it was like the next year I was with the first Canadian woman to jump over four meters in high school. And then it was like, oh, now you have a scholarship to University of Miami. And then it was like, oh, you can turn pro. Now you're an NCAA five-time All-American and runner up at NCAA. Now we're going to, Nike's going to sign you. And I was like, oh, and then now you can go to the Olympics. And it was just like, these steps just kept coming to me. And it was it wasn't like these huge goals. They were just like, I loved it. Like I loved being there and I loved working out and I loved training. I loved the way the pole vaults made my body look because of course, as a gymnast, I had horrible body issues. Isn't it crazy how that like fucks you up so much? So I did gymnastics as well as a kid and track and field, clearly not to the level that you did, but it really is one of those things that just gets in your head. And I remember really early on thinking those things that like you wouldn't expect a little girl to think about, about how you look in your leotard, about these muscles that now are forming all over your body. It's such a like, I mean, you're like proud that your body's able to do these things, but it, it can be such a mind fuck. Oh yeah. And it was crazy because in gym it was like, oh, I'm too big, but it was just because I felt taller than all the other girls. And then in track and field, I was like, I don't have as much muscles. I'm more curvy than the track girls. So it was like, I'm never satisfied, which is so yeah. crazy. Cause it's like, I got to the highest level and I'm still at the highest level and I'm still like, I could probably be better. <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is crazy. You never really sat, get satisfied as I'm well in my mentality right now. So when you're talking about going through all of these things and all these different doors opening and then turning pro, what does that mean to turn pro in track and field and as like a pole vaulter? Like, what does that look like? I think a lot of times when we think of athletes turning professional, you think of, you know, the four major sports. But when you're talking about some of these other niche sports, like what does that look like? So for me, turning pro in my definition, I know some athletes, you know, they consider going to a meet and making money as pro. But to me, being pro in my mentality was getting a contract and being paid like a salary. And that has been something, a biggest goal of mine. And I'm very thankful that I got it right out of university. And Nike was my employee, or I guess I was their employee, right? Because I was working for them or competing for them. So that turned really, really fast for me because I was going to go back and do my master's in nutrition. And I was like, there's not many people that get these contracts right out of university or out of college. So I was like, let me just go. Let me just see what happens. And now I've signed my second contract. So I'm in year six pro with Nike. And it's one of those things that you have to be at the top. Like, so I've been the last six years, I've been top 10 in the world. In 2019, I was third in the world. That's the highest I've ever finished. 
I'm invited to like all the best meets in the world. So it's really cool. That's kind of how you consider yourself professional. You know, they're not only paying you to come to meets now, but you're making appearance fees. You're making, um, I guess you could say if you win and then you get bonuses on top of that too. So I think to me, that has been like the coolest experience is knowing that like I could do what I love and make money and pay the bills. Like that was something I never wanted to depend on my parents the moment I left their house and when I was 18. From that day on, I haven't asked for one dollar. Hell yes. <laughs> so it's something really, really proud. And it's not a MBA or NFL. So I'll definitely have to work once I'm done. But I have a great community around me. And I wish I could. Oh, you know what? When I'm done, I probably will pass it back on to the next generation. But I invested my money so well that I was able to buy a house. And I'm looking for my second place right now. Good for you. Where do you live? Where are you? So I'm in Toronto. Oh, you are? Look, you buying two places in Toronto? Girl, get after it. Shit. So when you want something in life, you have this, you sacrifice in your determination, but then you also have your needs and your priorities. And for me, I've, I was in a, in a relationship with an NFL player and I'm like the complete opposite. And this is probably why I'm not with a professional athlete anymore. I didn't like how much, some, not all, my ex relied on a female being around to support them and her not make money. I hated that. I hated that, you know, every Wednesday I was flying down there to support him for his games and my track kind of came second to our relationship. It was eating me away inside that I wanted to be my own moneymaker. I wanted to do all these things myself. And it's not that that lifestyle is not good. It's just it wasn't for me. I think so many women can relate to that, that like we all want to make our own money and we all want to be independent. And like a lot of times we develop our own identity based off of the things that we do. And when that's gone, it can be like so shadowing. First, I fell in love with him before we both were pro. So him and I dated in university. That love was very, very deep. We cared for each other very, very much. And then once it started getting very serious for him, um, he was two years older than me these demands and this pressure came and he needed that support system to help him out. And that's what you're supposed to be in a relationship. You're supposed to lift them up. You're supposed to be there for when you need them. But it's different because when they go the first year to NFL, they go to these like classes, like one on it's called 101, like NFL, like first couple of weeks, they have these people come in and speak to them and say, like, tell them that like the whole outside world has no idea what they go through. And I think that that was very hard for me because I wanted to be that supportive girlfriend. Because I'm in an amateur sport, I'm so aware that there's more to life than just sport. But the NFL makes you feel like this is your end-all be-all, right? So long story short is we didn't see eye to eye. So it was very hard for year after year and keeping my mouth shut. I'm like, it's okay if you have a bad season. Like in his head, it was like, they're going to bench me. I'm not going to play. And I was like, you need one good play. You need to just show up and show up and keep like proving to them. And he never liked that. Like, I don't think he ever told me like, like shut up and don't do that. But like in (laughs) my head, it was like, stop putting it out there. That was my mentality. Like I don't put things out there because I don't want bad things to happen. And he was putting it out there. So anyways, I think it's one of those relationship things that that's why they need they need someone there constantly to keep them up, making them feel good, making them feel like they're the best. And to make their life easier because it is a demanding schedule too. And when you're being pulled in different directions and yeah, it can it's a lot. It's definitely it's a struggle and it's a it's like a that balance is not easy to find. Cause yeah, you really 
I think a lot of them think that they just want someone that can kind of be there to like keep the rest of life afloat while they're busy working. And that's what they expect. And I think a lot of these, um, a lot of the women's, even I still am close with a lot of the women that I was with for the three years that I was there. It's just that they, they're, they're overwhelmed because if they don't perform well in the field, they take this onus. And I almost was like, I'm such an individual sport, right? Like I'm in track. Like if I don't show up, I'm not winning, you know, where if his team went and he was injured, he could still win a Super Bowl. So in my head, I was like, boy, you're still on it. Like, who cares? You know what I mean? Like, take that time off. Like, enjoy your time. He goes, no, that's not how it works. So I think I just, our mentalities never linked up and I value them so much. And I have some, my best friends are in the NFL and I love watching them train and I love training with them because they're so, they work so hard and they're so amazing group of guys. It's just this, this whole lifestyle gets really caught up in their life. And I do think it's just a like it's its own like country. Like it's its own thing that they they play this role because they're in it. It's such a thread of Americana as well. Like that's the thing. I'm I'm from Canada as well. Yeah. Also, like oh, I, I didn't grew know up. In, that. Yeah. Where did you grow up? London. Oh, I grew up in Ajax. Okay. okay. Yeah. Like an hour. <laughs> yeah, like an hour apart. Um, but I found I live in the United States now and I have for the past like 10 years, but it really is like that when like, I mean, obviously we have like the CFL, which is not truly comparable to the NFL, but being here, like seeing like NFL is king. It is number one. Like I, I get how they get really like sucked into what that really means. Yeah. And, and I think it's just like hard cause like they speak and they have, they have a lot of downtime with each other. So it's like, well, not a lot of guys get second contracts. Like if you get second contracts, you're in, in, and it's just like, just play, like do what you love. Like remember why you started it. Like, and I tried to be that person and it just was so hard. The moment I was able to like step away from that relationship, I've never been so thankful to get my Sundays back. <laughs> I was going to say, I'm like, yeah, once, once you guys did part yeah. ways, you must have, I mean, I'm sure it was heartbreaking and some really horrible things that had to go down to come to that conclusion. But there must have been like a certain sense of relief to like get your lifestyle back and get back to making yourself the priority. Well, and I think too, like you, you sacrificed, like we were in a distance. So there was a point in our relationship where it became a little bit of an open relationship, not on my end, but I had to make that mentality because I wasn't there. Oh gosh. Like I had to almost let that happen to put peace around my bubble. Oh my gosh. You know, like we could talk about this for days. Like that's a whole... (laughs) A whole other six years of my life that I was a part of it. Wait, so you were in like it was an open relationship that he was like doing whatever he needed to do? A little bit more like protocol, like more like I was like, I could I'll pick a couple girls. (laughs) Tell me about this. I've never tell people this because it's like people are like why like obviously my best friends know but they're like you're so like they call me weak and I'm like I'm not weak I'm just like I'd rather be in Europe competing and know like if he's ha- if he if this is gonna okay so I have two mentalities I have this mentality of being the best athlete in the world and I know what I need personally I need peace I need happiness and I need love well I had love from him because when we were together it was a very strong connection him and I were incredible when it was good when it was bad it was really bad but we had that connection. My piece was that constant like confidence coming back. So when I was jumping high and I was getting in the media and I was getting all this hype around my name, I was the best Canadian to ever walk, you know, in women's pole vault. I had that, you know. And then the last was like this full, like I needed like um piece of circle around me. So for that, I installed rules to make it okay. 
for me to be at this elite level. So when I put myself on his shoes, I was like, if he needs this pleasure, he needs this, you know, attention from other females, give that to him. Like, I don't want to stop him from being the best he can be on the field. That's not up to me. That's up to him. But then you can't put this pressure on if you play bad, it's because I'm not there. Oh, okay. Okay. It became a lot of, yes, it was a, oh, Alicia, you're, you know, you're giving him too much. And the more you give him, the more he'll take. But it was a thing. It was like, no, it was like holding him accountable for, don't say because I'm not there and we're not, you know, having sex or doing this stuff for each other or even having dinners and romantic dinners or experiences that it's because of me, you're not playing well and vice versa. This is fascinating. It opened me up so much to happiness, if that makes sense, because I never felt betrayed until he went outside that realm, you know, and that's when things got bad. And that's when um, things went too far. And that's when you realize you didn't have a mature enough person. Yeah, you gave him an inch and he took a mile. Exactly. And, And I mean, it is what it is. And that's why we didn't work out together. Because I gave him a lot of, you know, leeway and he gave me a lot of like me time. And that was the trade off, you know, I needed to train and I needed to travel around the world, but I couldn't be there. I'm assuming people that would listen to this conversation and take that and be like, how could you let your guy do that? I don't understand. But there's like the other part of my brain going like, oh my gosh, okay, so you did that to make your own life easier. You weren't doing it to necessarily make his life easier. You were doing it to like allow you to go do the things that you needed to. It's actually a fucking power move by you. If I don't make a rule, it's going to happen anyways. I'm around it. I get I get DMs like crazy and I'm... I'm an Olympic athlete. I couldn't even imagine what they were getting. Olympic Village, babe, coming in hot. Everybody <laughs> <know>. look out. <laughs> I know. I had to be single for 2020 because I had to. I had to experience that. <laughs> um, That's amazing. I, I'm assuming it was a good time. Oh, my gosh. Well, okay. Tokyo wasn't as amazing. As sure. I'm sure it would have been in Rio. I didn't get sure. to experience because I was in a relationship. But Tokyo, we were able to. But... It was COVID, so people were all worried, so it wasn't as crazy. People weren't swapping saliva as much as they could have been. Yeah, not too many. Not more than one in one night. (laughs) (laughs) That is so funny. I I mean, that's really interesting, and I I actually appreciate you talking about that, because I feel like a lot of times people don't want to be open about stuff like that and talk about what those circumstances can be like, and and also just like what those demands are like. It's, you know, it's, it really is a different lifestyle, and you kind of, I guess, do what you have to do in order to make life carry on. It is what it is. It's one of those things, it's like, I've never been a judgmental person, so like, if that works with you guys, then let it work with you guys. And that was our thing. It was like, it worked for a little bit. And then after it was too sloppy. And if you can't pull that rain back and, you know, test the waters, okay, it doesn't work for either one party or the other, then that's when you make the decision. Is this going to work or is this not going to work? And for us, it got a little bit heated beyond that situation. But it was one of those things. I was okay with it. I was able to travel the world and do what I love. And I was at my best when I allowed him to do that and third in the world. And I just missed the podium for world championships that year. And, and I was ready for Tokyo in 2020 and then COVID hit and it just, it is what it is. And, and, but now I, I'm like, I've been single for three years and it's, it's amazing. Living that good life. I see you on those red carpets, girl. Just like look out SBs, that dress. Ooh, 
So good. So So good. The NBA season is underway and it's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Because right now, new customers get a no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Plus, FanDuel is the only sports book that gives all customers three months of NBA League Pass when they make a $5 bet on the NBA. There's so many different things you guys can rattle off here on this app. It's amazing. FanDuel has all of your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads to player props. You can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payoff with a same game parlay. Plus, with live betting, you'll get updated odds on games that have already started. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So download FanDuel today and use the promo code Renee, that's R-E-N-E-E, to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, the official sportsbook partner of the NBA. Disclaimer, 21 in select states. First online, real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable free bets that expire 14 days after receipt. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG for Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Illinois, and Virginia. 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXTSTEP to 53342 for Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat for Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT for Indiana. 1-877-770-STOP for Louisiana. 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467369 for New York. The TN Red Line, 1-800-889-9789 for Tennessee, 1-800-522-4700 for Wyoming, or visit www.1800gambler.net for West Virginia. Um, Okay, let's talk about OnlyFans, because I feel like that's something that uh, is definitely like a point of conversation. Um, I know that there was an article, right? Did you, you sat down to do an interview and they blew the whole thing out of proportion where they wanted it to just be this like salacious thing about OnlyFans? It was supposed to be about where I was at in my career. And I really wanted to expand on just telling people, like, don't feel like you have to have everything right away. Like, and don't feel like you have to get back with a year. And to me, I experienced a lot of things. I experienced domestic violence in 2019. And then I hit COVID. And then I got a concussion. And then I got injured. So there's just these punches. And I wanted to explain that to people to be like, first of all, don't feel like your journey's done because you've gone through so much, like keep it going. And second of all, I wanted to portray like, don't make a drastic decision. Example, a lot of times in my head, the last year and a half was, do I retire? Because I kept, things just kept coming at me and I'm like, come on, like I'm doing everything right. I'm being a good person. Like, where is this karma coming from? And I kept seeing in my head, like, don't make a drastic decision when you're at your lowest. And so I decided, no, I'm going to go forward to to Paris and I'm going to do one more Olympics for sure, for sure. And then we'll decide what we do after. And that it was a beautiful story. It was about motherhood. It was about empowerment. And it wasn't the original journalist, Patrick, that we spoke to. We talked for literally two minutes and he wrote the article and we approved it. And then his supervisor took it down and took the only fans part. It was one, literally a paragraph. Oh my God. And turned it into the whole freaking story. And then it got blown up onto Snapchat. Olympian turns to only fans. And I'm sitting here and I'm like, call my PR guy. I'm like, we got to do something about this. I'm so. Oh my <laughs> God. 
Do you feel like the perception of the OnlyFans thing has changed since I feel like from the beginning of people being like, wait, what's OnlyFans to what is this to now? All of a sudden there are a lot of big names attached to OnlyFans and like you can make some cash on there. Holy crap. But people think it's porn. It's not porn. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing. It was it was funny because, you know, like to be a billionaire or to be one of the best at something, you have to be the first to do it. And I saw this opportunity, you know, I, I am that frisky out there female. Like I like to wear bikinis. I like to take photos from behind and I like to like show my curves because I don't know when I'm going to lose this body, <laughs> yeah. you know? So I like like pushing the waters in that. And so it was a platform at that time when we spoke and we decided to sign up to it, we knew they were going to go non X rated within four or five months, but nobody knew that. And so I said, you know what, let's take the lash, let's take the the back hate. And but a lot of my fans loved it. Like they're like, oh shit, I can Oh, I'm sure really they int- did. They're like, okay. And about it. <laughs> yes. And it was a perfect opportunity because COVID hit. There wasn't many sponsors for Tokyo because everything got messed up because it was postponed a year later. And I said, how can I, not only I knew, obviously I was injured going into Tokyo, so I wasn't going to be at my best and I wasn't really fighting for a medal. I was fighting for the experience and going and representing Canada at my best ability. Um, And I said, how can I capitalize on an income from the Olympics and also my brand? And I was like, let's launch OnlyFans and do a 16 week every day. I went live in the Olympic village with it. And I was like, it's only going to be two weeks. Like, this is going to be fun. Girl, I made so much money. (laughs) Good. Good for you. It's crazy. Hell yes. As you should. Like crazy. Like even like I think within the first hour of like launching it, I had over just 2,500 people sign up at $29.99. That's per month, right? But that was an hour. That was just like 2,500 people. And I was like, mom, we got to shut this because like, (laughs) what am I going to do for my taxes? Where are we moving the money? Like, I don't know what to do. Like I've never had this type of income come in at once. Like all this freaky stuff happened. Um, The billionaires and millionaires, they talk about you need seven revenues. You need money when you're sleeping. That's what type of money you need to make to have this certain lifestyle. And I was like, that's a goal of mine. It wasn't a goal of mine to do it within track, but it was post-track. And I'm like, well, if this is going to help me advance and create my wealth, then I might as well do that. And then that's what I decided. And I just decided to keep it. Well, I was really excited. We had some promos coming out when they were switching it to non-X rated and they got so much backlash from the media and their users that they just decided to stay. So part of me just decided not to promote it anymore because of that whole situation. And I'm still on it. And I still get to talk to some fans that have been following me since I've started Instagram. And people get to watch me pole vault every week. I go live every uh, Wednesday on my on my OnlyFans to watch people pole vault that or people to watch me pole vault at practice. And it's something fun for me. And it's not about porn or any of that. I mean, I do do like for Halloween, I did the sexy Saturday and I'll do stuff like that, but it's not nudes. It's not me naked. <laughs> there might be a nip slip, guys. Stay tuned. They won't sign up. It, it might happen. <laughs> You never know. Yeah, you never know. You never know what you can with a glass of wine. But I feel like, you know, any women that I know that have done it, they feel very empowered. And it's like being in the driver's seat to like, yeah, why not turn it around and make some money? And like, if yeah, I mean, if it's going to be out there and people are going to want to like look at you in that light anyways, you might as well be the one in control of what that creative is and what that narrative is. And like in my head, it's like, it's a full entrepreneurial skill. Like people are already paying me for my, my image and my likeness on Instagram. So why not monetize that on a platform that puts money in your pocket 
per second, per hour, you know, like you might as well do that. And of course it's like associating with the wrong environment, but in my head, it's like, are you really that naive? Like Cardi B's on it. Yeah. She is who she is, but you think she's over there doing porn? No, she's probably doing like music stuff and all this other things on there. And you get the first exclusivity to all of her stuff. And that's the same thing with me. You know, I'm really excited. I'm hoping to launch an NFT for Paris and I want to wear a oh, little cool. um, camera on my jersey. People go on my OnlyFans and buy my NFT and they can watch me compete. That's a goal of mine to do for my fans. And it's, I wouldn't be where I am without my brand. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, and, and the government of Canada is nice. They give us some stipends a month, but it's not it's not enough money to live on for food, for rent or for mortgage, right? Oh my God. I know. It's absurd. It freaks me out. It's so crazy. Oh my gosh, girl. Ooh, these prices right now. Ooh, it's insane. So at the end of the day, it's one of those things. I, I love the platform because of what it's been able to bring me opportunities. And now I'm looking at my second place. I'm going to Airbnb that place and then monetize off of the Airbnb. Well, I'll use it next time I come into the city. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be there. Yeah. <laughs> You can stay, whatever. <laughs> um, let's talk about the concussion. So you got the concussion, yeah. uh, was it in April? What happened? Girl, it was so insane. I was. It was my first meet heading to outdoor, and that was the start of the cycle. So April, um, and then Tokyo was in August, that six months after, or I guess four months from there. And I was just finished practice with a bunch of my teammates down in Iowa. Come on, Cornhuskers. I know, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and I uh, just went to take a shower and we were all going out for dinner. And my first step into the bathtub, I went face first into the faucet. Oh, fuck. I wish it was like something cool and a fun story. And like, people are like, are you taking selfies? Like, no, I wish. (laughs) I wish I got it on tape. Um, And it was one of those things. It was like, I literally was like, oh, I'm okay. And I went to stand up. I couldn't stand up. And I was like, fuck, I'm bleeding. So I started like, not um, like throwing up, but with nothing coming out. So like gagging. And I'm like, okay, something's really, really wrong. So I like army crawled to my bed where my phone was and I called my agent. And then I just like remember him coming, the, uh, the ambulance coming, them obviously diagnosing me with a concussion. And it just was a uphill battle from that day on. Like every day I thought I was getting better, but it just was like not a normal injury. It wasn't like, oh, six weeks, you'll be fine. It was like, this is going to be really long. And I think that that's been really hard for me because it's like, even today, like there'll be days like that I forget to take my iron supplement and I feel it. Like I feel drained and then my eyes get heavy and my head hurts. Um, and I'm still dealing with it, you know, but it's, it's manageable now. Now we are on a full routine and a supplement routine and I have a hyperbaric chamber that I'm in um, every other day. So yeah, like concussions are no joke. I mean, I guess it's the varying degrees of them, because like you said, it's like sometimes it is a thing you kind of sit on the sidelines for X amount of time. But then there can be these like lingering effects. Like I saw the piece that you did with uh, with Doc Amen. Uh, he's a brilliant doctor. He's like New York Times bestseller. He's amazing. Um, but you guys were talking about the light sensitivity and stuff that you got and how much that was affecting you training, obviously going into Tokyo. Uh, but just like all those different like long term effects. It is horrifying. Well, it's insane. And you're like, no, there's no way I have that. And he goes, yeah, you do. I was like, no, there's no way the bright lights in the stadium affect my motivation and put, give me a depression because of the light and the sun. He goes, yeah, that's your brain. (laughs) I'm like, what the hell? Like 
this doesn't make any sense. So it was awesome to finally get in the right hands. I know Team Canada and them were trying their best. I mean, they tried for the four months leading up to the Olympics to help me. And they were more diagnosing symptoms rather than the actual injury, if that makes sense. So symptoms were mood swings and, uh, you know, headaches and lack of appetite. So it was like antidepressors and doing these headache medicines. And I'm like, just felt wrong and felt bad, really, really shitty. It felt even worse on their treatment protocol. And as soon as Tokyo happened, and it really kind of shook me in the wrong way, because I was out there like, I don't want to be there. And that's just not me. I'm not a person I'm standing in the Olympics. And like, I can't do this. I don't want to be here. And that is just, you're not at the Olympics saying that, you know, and my whole mentality was just so messed up. And I was sleeping for hours. I was just not normal. I was drinking to try to like, numb it kind of, but like, just not feel it, but feel something like it just was this whole personality change that I didn't recognize myself. And a lot of people didn't recognize me. And I think we were just all hoping it was all going to come together. And when it didn't, that's when everyone kind of was like, well, the, the first, the flight back that I came to Tokyo. That flight must have been awful. No, it was horrible. Like they, they, they felt so bad for me. And then my mom picked me up and I slept for 72 hours. That and my mom took me to her house. And then we decided to reach out to Dr. Amen. And he was awesome. He answered within the week and he's like, I want to take you on personally because this is not okay. And uh, it's just, it's been amazing since I've been with him. But I just like in my head, I was just like, for our healthcare in Canada and like just the lack of knowledge we have on the brain and, and, and getting the right resources and the right treatment for our athletes um, for that. I just felt like I was let down on that side and it's not their fault. It's my fault too. You know, it's, it's a whole team thing, right? It doesn't fall on one person, but I just wish there was someone that was knowledgeable enough to be like, stop. We got four months. Let's try to savor this. Let's get your brain scanned. Let's see what's going on and let's move from there. So when you started working with Doc Amen, what were some of the first things that he did to get you on the right track? Yeah. So the first thing he's like, you need to get off everything that anyone's ever prescribed you or you are taking right now. And we did a brain scan first and then he, it was cool. He, he introduced things week after week and we do, um, weekly phone call still like he's he's literally the best and so we started with getting the proper contact lenses for when I'm outside for Erlen syndrome so that's when UV hits my pupils it goes into my brain so it speeds up my neurons and then I can't focus and I can't tunnel vision so I was wearing these um, contact lenses all last year and it ended up helping out quite a bit and calming down my brain to heal so this wasn't like a full like put these contact lenses on and you're going to be good. This was, we need to calm the brain down because there's so much activity happening. And then we went on the supplement routine. We doubled my omega-3. We went into a lot of like fatty acids that were healthy for the brain. I find this fascinating because there, there's, there's so much information to be had, but it's like, what are the right resources? Where are we going to obtain all this information? And like, yeah, I think it's fascinating. Yeah, I mean, and I think that's what was really cool about Dr. Amen is you you layman's term it. You you simplify it. Okay, what is the number one thing? She has a concussion. What is the things that we can help out right away? And what is things we slowly introduce? And so the first things were getting the contact lenses and putting me on a supplement routine. Okay, we did that for six weeks. And it was like, okay, what was an effect that doesn't help? Well, really high training and pole vault falling from higher heights 
is not good. So let's take six months off of pole vaulting. So we did that, but you can still work out. You just can't pole vault. So I was like, okay, so we did that. And then it was like, okay, you're still feeling not fully connected. Don't worry, we still got more things. You're okay. Like he kept reassuring. We're putting you in the hyperbaric chamber now. You're going to go in there for 90 minutes every other day. And we're going to see where that happens in four weeks from there. And it was just so good because it was never felt like there was a, I have nothing left to give you. Like still to this day, like he's like sending me different probiotics or like different medicines or like, oh, you had anxiety this week? I just launched this new powder. I'm sending it to you right now. Try it. Actually, let me know how it feels. It's also, you're fine. You won't get caught for doping or any of that. So I was like, perfect. You know, it was one of those things and, and. You know, when someone breaks a bone, it's very much similar to everybody breaking a bone. But when someone gets a concussion, it depends on where you hit your head, where it hit, how long were your symptoms, all this stuff. And it becomes so individualized. And that's why it's so critical that you constantly follow up with your doctor, whoever you're working with, because I'm different every other week, you know, and we're changing things still to this day. Now, do I feel normal and I feel better again of course I'm happy I'm actually really happy I'm not on any any depressors God, that must um, be so nice I will never say doctors shouldn't but Dr. Eamon and I have agreed in the past if you can treat certain symptoms like anxiety depression with natural herbs before antidepressors I would 110% put my hands on that before I would give my child or somebody an antidepressor because Antidepressors are kind of like inhibitors. They block, they either release serotonin or they like lower serotonin for you, right? And that's not natural. Your body doesn't naturally do that. And the the whole idea around Dr. Amen is we want you to be able to naturally release it. We need to train your body to get that serotonin level back up, not chemically here, we're going to give it to you. Here are the meds to help you get it up. So that's what's really cool about the way he looks at stuff. Your body's not dead. Like you can still get this back. And I just look at medicine different than I used to look at medicine and my well being too. Like I'm so excited I did. This is my week eight of not drinking. Oh, how good do you feel? Do you feel like a million bucks? I just like little things. Like I can remember everybody's name the very first time I meet. <laughs> yes. Like it's insane. Yeah. I remember why I met them and what event I was at and what day. Like it's really cool just the clarity I've gotten, but I do mess my glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> it's such a like, it's such an annoying push and pull. Like I don't drink too much anymore these days, but I will have a glass of wine here and there. But it's funny, even the other night I was like, I think habitually, I'm like, oh, I'm going to have a glass of wine. The baby's in bed. I can have a glass of wine, put on a, a movie, whatever. But then anytime I have it, I'm like, did I even really want that? I feel like I've got a bit of a headache. Like I can feel it in my body a little bit that I'm like, oh, maybe it wasn't worth it. But like, I do like it. It's weird. Yeah. It like kind of tastes good. And it kind of gives you that. I don't know when I drink wine, I'm like, want to hug everyone. <laughs> so I'm like, arms open. Who wants them? <laughs> Um, okay, so what's next for you? I'm right in preseason right now. I'm, I'm in week eight and I'm heading to, well, fingers crossed that I make the World Budapest team for Team Canada this summer. So that's our world championships. I want to be back on Diamond League circuit. So that's our professional, I guess, program. And then Paris 2024 is going to be here like so, so fast and kind of bittersweet. Like it was shitty that it was like pushed here. But now where I'm at and what happened in Tokyo, I was like, oh, I only have three years. I got this. Yeah. I'm really, really excited. We're excited about training this year. Everything seems to be going 
uphill. <laughs> Hell yes. That's so great. Um, well, I loved having you on here, just like learning more about you. You're a like fascinating, like badass focused woman. You're awesome. I was literally listening to your podcast this morning when I was going for my run. And I just love like how you portray yourself and your voice is so appealing to people. So you're meant for- Maybe it's just the microphone. (laughs) Face and voice, sorry. (laughs) Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Um, Yeah, hopefully our paths will cross it again down the line. I feel like we would would have a good hang. Yes, we'll do it after (laughs) I win a medal in Paris. Hell yes, we will. Well, best of luck to you. Uh, I'll be rooting for you and watching for you. And I'm glad that you're feeling so much better after uh, working with Doc Amen. Thank you so much, and I appreciate it. All right, I'll talk to you soon. All right, bye. Bye. Thanks to Alicia Newman for hanging out with me. I swear we must get together and have a a little sip of some wine together, have a hangout and uh, shoot the shit as they say, because I feel like her and I would be fast friends. London, Ontario and Ajax, Ontario are not that far from each other. They're kind of on like, uh, if Toronto's in the middle, they both branch out in opposite directions. About the same distance either way. Not that you guys needed to know that. Does anyone care? I don't know. I put that out there. There's some information for you. Take it, file it away. Little nugget of wisdom. All right, you guys know what to do. You're probably already following all these things on social media and whatnot, but make sure to subscribe to the YouTube page because everything is up there. If you want to see these interviews, you want to see maybe some of the shorts that come out of these interviews, some of the little highlights, all that stuff. Um, Maybe you just want to watch. Maybe you're a visual learner. I can be. I just said learner weird. I can't talk today. Hanging on by a thread, y'all. Just hanging on by a thread. Uh, Alicia Newman is an absolute champ, quite literally. Um, Thank you to her for hanging out with me. I hope you guys enjoyed this interview. And until next time, this has been The Sessions.